Welcome to the Teaching on Legal Grounds. My name is Pastor Gail Crock. I'm president and co-founder of Spiritual Care Consultants of West Michigan, along with my partner, Dr. Troy Carlson. And today I'm coming to talk to you about legal grounds. Um, this teaching has come out of uh, my conversations I have had with several Christian leaders who have expressed a concern they have had to me when they have dealt with Christians within their own churches who they felt had a spirit or a demon. And through after much ministry and much time of prayer, the individual has not uh, gotten any better. And I have said to those leaders, well, have you dealt with the legal grounds? Or in other words, what gives the enemy the legal right to be there in that person's life? Now, <clears throat> I want to say from the very beginning that I don't believe that a Christian can have a demon. Now, having said that, I want to explain what I mean. What I mean is this. I believe in the Greek word that talks about demonization. I don't believe in demon possession. I believe in demonization. Now let me explain. To the extent that you have opened the door to the enemy is the extent that the enemy gets to control your life. So obviously if somebody has gotten into witchcraft and Satanism, the enemy pretty much is going to have free reign over them and even sometimes over their body. But Jesus Christ came to set you free. And so therefore, having said that, when you have a Christian, this is someone, if they're truly born again, they've received the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit indwells them, lives on the inside of them, so no, there's no way that they can be possessed. But can they be demonized? The answer is yes. And what I mean by that is this. If you open the door to the enemy, he is more than happy to put his toe in that door. So in other words, when we open the door to the enemy, and a little bit later in this teaching, I'm going to talk about what are the examples of what legal ground is. The enemy is uh, more than happy to put a hook in your back. So it's kind of like this. When you open the door to the enemy, it's like he has a hook in your back and he has a cord connected to it. And when you get so far in your walk with the Lord and you're thinking you have some pretty good victory going on, he begins to pull on that cord and pull you back. Let's talk about some biblical examples of legal grounds. The first biblical example I want to use is out of the Old Testament comes from Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. This is uh, the Lord speaking to Cain. Now, this is very interesting. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry? Why is your face so downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you. But you must master it. And as you know, Cain was upset with Abel because Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's was not. And as a result of this, God is warning him about the legal grounds that the enemy has to have an inroad into his life. In fact, the Lord is, is just pointing that right out to him and giving him a chance to make a choice to do what is right so the enemy didn't have a foothold. And Cain, as a result of giving in to the enemy went out and killed his brother Abel. Now, what were Cain's open doors? The first one was anger, jealousy, bitterness, unforgiveness. Those were the legal grounds the enemy had to be able to really have a foothold in Cain's life. And those open doors caused Cain to go out and to kill his brother. Now, there's another example that I want to look at. And that example is King Saul. He is a, a good example to look at because King Saul is a man that started out good in his life, but then at the end of his life, he ended up tortured and bound. And what it is about King Saul is through his life, you see him going through a series of events. And the first series of events we see is found in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 6-11, through 11, which says, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you and sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you, 
and tell you what you are to do. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed his heart, and all these signs were fulfilled. When he arrived and his servants with him at Gibeah, a procession of the prophets met him. The uh, Spirit of God powerfully came upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul amongst the prophets? So we see Saul in the beginning of his life. He's doing great. He has uh, met Samuel, and Samuel has anointed him, and he goes down, he meets the prophets. Spirit of God comes upon him in power. And uh, Saul is changed into a different man. His heart is changed. But then through a series of events, Saul begins to open the door to the enemy by some of the choices he makes. When Samuel tells him to wait to do the, the offerings and the fellowship offerings until he gets there, what happened was Saul grew impatient, Sam, thought Samuel was too late and took things into his own hands. And when uh, Samuel asked what he was doing, uh, Saul began to make up excuses about why he was doing what he was doing. And then when he went in uh, to uh, this certain city where he was told to wipe out and kill everything and to destroy everything, he spared the king of Agag and kept some of the best sheep and the best cattle uh, to be sacrificed and when Samuel asked him what was that bleeding of sheep I hear in my ears why have you done this of course Saul again took things into his own hand he had a, he was defensive he had his own reasons why he did what he did he so in other words he was uh, he thought that he was smarter than what the Lord was and smarter than God's messenger to him which was the prophet Samuel and then when uh, David was beginning to be raised up in his kingdom and became very popular, uh, Saul became jealous of David as he saw David's success. And so by the end of his life, we see that Saul is tormented and bound by an evil spirit. And um, what actually happened was his disobedience, his rebellion, his unforgiveness and jealousy were the legal grounds by which the enemy had to torture him. And it says in 1 Samuel 16, verses 14 through 15, it says, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Samuel, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servant here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play... When the evil spirit from God comes upon you, and you will feel better. And so, by the end of his life, the kingdom is torn away from him. His ministry, or his kingdom, is given to another man. And um, Saul is totally defeated. In fact, he does one of the worst things at the end of his life where he goes to see the witch of Endor to try to talk to Samuel after he has died. So all of these open doors in his life allowed the enemy to have a terrible foothold in his life, but allowed the enemy to bring his ministry and his kingship to ruin. Now I want to look at another example, a good example from the New Testament to look at. And that example is the example of Ananias and Sapphira. In Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, we read about the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept part of the money back for himself and brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept back for yourself some of the money that you have received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to a human being, but to God. 
When Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died, and a great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped his body up, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, this is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the Spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who just buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. The young men came and came in, finding her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. What were the open doors that um, Ananias and Sapphira uh, had that allowed the enemy to rule and reign in their life and eventually cause death in their life? It was greed, lying, and deceit. These were the open doors that allowed the enemy to really bring bring them down. And this was a couple within the church. This were Christians. And these open doors eventually caused their death. And you know, in a lot of people's lives, they leave open doors go on for a long time. And some of those open doors and some of those doors that cause legal grounds cause us to get physically sick. And if we don't deal with them, eventually can wind up in death. Um, I want to talk for a minute about the enemy's strategy. As we talk about open doors, I've always said when I talk to people that the enemy doesn't do anything new. He has the same old bag of tricks that he uses over and over and over in people's lives. In James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, this person will receive a crown of life that the Lord has promised to those that love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away from their own evil desires and enticed. And then, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. I want to just say this. The enemy doesn't do anything new. He knows the areas in our lives where we're weak. He knows where we're more apt to give in to things. And when he uh, wants to try to take another believer down or get a believer in bondage, he will try to work at them in an area of their weakness. And he plays on those weaknesses. And then it, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. So what happens is uh, the enemy is always looking for a way to get a foothold in your life. He's always looking for an area to stick his toe in. And if you give him an itch, he will, he will take a mile. But it's interesting in James chapter 1, verse 15, it says that when... Uh, when it is full grown, then it gives birth to death. So we know that God is very merciful. I don't want you listening to this today thinking, oh my God, what if I, maybe this is going to lead to death for me if I don't deal with it right now. And God is very merciful. He allows us to go on in our ways for a long time before we get those consequences that come down the road that lead to death. And the first death that can take place is spiritual death, and the second eventually years down the road or months down the road or whatever time frame that God thinks is long enough is physical death. And so looking at this, we want to talk I want to look at a minute why is it uh, very important for us today not to continue in sin? Now we know that if we continue in sin, there will be big consequences. What I mean by that is this. The open doors that allow the enemy to have legal grounds in our life actually wind, wind up being uh, sinful actions we take in our life that actually open the door to the enemy. And it says in Genesis 6.3, Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. 
their days will be 120 years. So we know that there comes a point where God says, if you want your way long enough, I'm just going to let you have it and I'm not going to convict you like I once used to convict you. So uh, that's why it's important. There will be big consequences if we continue in sin. And then it says in Hebrews 6, it says, It is impossible for those who have been once enlightened, who have tasted of the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again, subjecting him to public disgrace. And that's what open doors do and sinful habits do. They open the Lord to public disgrace. We wind up actually taking for granted what Jesus did on the cross and taking the grace of God for granted. And then we see in Romans chapter 1, uh, verses 24 through 25, 26, and 27, God talks about if a person wants to wait long enough and they want to continue leaving those doors open to the enemy, that he will give them over to their own evil desires. It says in Romans 1, starting with reading with verse 24, Therefore God gave them over to the desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with each other. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the created, created things rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to their shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations with unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned their natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men also committed shameful act with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. And, and what I want you to get out of this is simply this. If we continue to want our own way, if we continue to leave the doors open to the enemy, we will receive the penalty due for doing that. Sooner or later, there is a payday. And I want to talk for a minute what are some of the doors that gives the enemy legal grounds in our life? There are a number of doors I want to talk about. The first one is disobedience. You know, uh, that's exactly what's, what Saul did. He was being disobedient. Another one is pride. Another one is greed, worry, unforgiveness. There are some other open doors, though, I want to talk about that can really give the enemy a strong foothold in your life. Open doors of occult involvement, seances, fortune-telling, psychics, horoscopes, Ouija boards, tarot cards, and witchcraft. These open doors really allow the enemy to torment us. Then there's anger and rage or an habitual sin that is committed over and over and over. There are drugs, alcohol, bitterness, rebellion, and you know what? The list could go on and on and on of things that can be possible open doors for the enemy to have a hook in your life. And believe me, when the enemy gets a hook in your life, it hurts. I remember growing up, I used to fish with a set line. Now, I don't know if you know what a set line is. A set line has a weight on the end of it, and then there are hooks two or three of them that are up on the line that you bait and you fish for fish with. And when I threw the set line down into the water, one of the hooks went deeply into my finger and had to be cut out. And I must say that really hurts. And, you know, just as in the natural um, that a set, the hooks have a barb on it, so the enemy's hooks have many barbs on them. But praise God, I know the one who can take the barb out, and that's Jesus. So we want to look at something for a second. If we know what legal grounds are and what, what it, the reasons for the enemy to have legal grounds, if we got some good examples, then my question is simply this. Where do all of these legal grounds flow out of? And the answer to that question is, is they flow out of the soul. So in other words... They Many of the things that we talked about in the open doors, like bitterness, greed, uh, greed, anger, and rage, 
come out of soul wounds that we have in our soul. They flow directly out of the soul. Now there is a scripture in Romans chapter 7 verses 14 through 25 where Paul is talking. And it's interesting what he says here. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, and what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Now I want to stop there. The law is good because it points out there's a problem. As it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know the good itself does not dwell in me, that is my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do, uh, the good I want to do, I don't do, but the evil I don't want to do, I do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin that is living in me. Now I want to stop here for a second. This is a perfect example of someone that has wounds in their soul. Those wounds affect how they operate, how they think, and the things that they do. And a lot of times, the good they don't want to do, they wind up not doing. So he says in verse 21, he says this, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my innermost being, I delight in God's law. A lot of Christians with soul wounds will tell you they love the Lord and they delight in his word. But I see another law at work in me, waging wars against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Then in, I love verse 25. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Jesus Christ. In other words, Christ the Anointed One. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature I am a slave to the law of sin. But he says, um, thanks be to God through Christ Jesus. And so what Paul is actually saying here. He is saying through tapping into the presence of Christ, through the anointing and through the presence of Christ, we can plug into him and find the healing we need and the deliverance we need to break the cycle in our soul. Because God desperately wants to heal your soul and he wants to heal you from all the wounds that you've had down in your heart. Then Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 15.31, Paul speaking again, he said, I die every day. I mean that, brothers, just as surely as I glory over you in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul talks about living a life of death unto God. In other words, carrying that cross, dying to the life of sin, but he didn't stop there because he says, thanks be to Jesus Christ. So he's talking about plugging into the Lord. So many times people operate out of the tree of knowledge and good and evil instead of tapping into the presence of God like Adam and Eve did once before the fall. Before the fall, Adam and Eve walked with God. They walked in revelation. They walked in the presence of heaven. And the atmosphere was peace and life and aliveness and joy and everything that was good, holy, and pure. But when sin entered, they were separated with God and they began to plug into the knowledge of tree of good and evil and they tried to get better by doing better and by and being gooder and I know that's not perfect English but it doesn't work that way so what I'm saying in all this through tapping into the presence of Christ and allowing him to fill us with his peace he will come and then he will fill our souls with healing and then we can shut those doors to the enemy and cut off his legal round grounds and stop him from ruling and reigning in our lives you know we live in a day and age i'm saying this right now in the name of jesus that there's some of you need to hear this under the sound of my voice today god wants to heal you up raise you up send you out 
to help set the captives free. This is a day where God is taking people that other people might not consider to do ministry, and God is raising them up, he is healing them, and he is setting them free to go out in his name and minister. Now, through this teaching on legal grounds, there's one thing that I don't want to happen. I don't want you to live in fear thinking you've got an open door to the enemy, and neither do I want you to think that you have a demon. All I'm saying is this, is if you know you have a hook if the enemy has a hook in you you can be delivered you can be set free and you can be healed up and it doesn't take a long time because when the presence of God comes and the Lord's presence enters a room things happen change happens and healing happens so I want to take a moment at this time and I want to talk about four keys in breaking legal grounds but before we talk about the four keys in breaking legal grounds, I want to give you one more, I want to make one more key point, and I want to talk about two more examples of believers who gave the enemy legal grounds and how that when what happened to them. One of the key points that I want to reinforce is that I want the peace of God to pervade this whole teaching. Even if you see through the revelation of the Holy Spirit that you have given the enemy legal grounds, I do not want the spirit of fear or I do not want you to be afraid during this teaching. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I would bind the spirit of fear and condemnation in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you, Lord, that perfect love casts all, all fear. I want to really make a, a key point right here at this point of the teaching I may have said this a couple of times but it's good to reinforce things that as you listen to this CD I want to remind you that the enemy cannot just decide to attach himself to a Christian the Bible says in Colossians 3 3 for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God that God has a way by his grace of hiding us and keeping us safe even when we have those open doors. That's called mercy and that's called grace. And the other thing I want to uh, quote is a scripture in Proverbs 26.2 that says, Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. Now, Interesting enough, I learned this proverb when I was helping people to escape Satanism. One lady said to me, I want you to know that God protects you and that if you don't have an open door to the enemy and there are an enemy where he can, that you've really given him a stronghold, they can curse you all day long and it will not affect you. So I just want to say that it's time to relax. And if the Lord shows you an open door, I want you to rejoice because he is also going to set you free from it. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. So praise God for the life that he's come to bring you today. And I'm so thankful that when the Lord shows you something that needs to be addressed, he also has the solution on how to take care of you. Now I want to talk about two more biblical examples of believers who opened the door to the enemy and what happened in their lives. The two believers I want to talk from the New Testament about are Simon Peter and Judas Iscariot. Now I want to make some key points about these believers. First of all, they were both a part of the 12 disciples and they all saw Jesus minister the miracles he did and they traveled with him, lived with him, and ate with him and they were very acquainted with him. The second thing I want to say is that they, were all, they both had the Holy Spirit. It says in John 20, 22, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. So they both knew what it was like to have the Holy Spirit. And also the third thing I want to say, the third observation, is that they both were a part of the group that Jesus sent out to preach the kingdom, heal the sick, and to cast out devils. Luke 10 verses 8 through 12 says, When you enter a town and are welcome, 
eat what is offered before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom has come near you. When you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe off our feet as a warning against you. And so that is a key scripture that I want to read. And uh, the fourth thing I want to observe, and this was in the life of Peter. I want to talk about Peter for a second. Peter, um, he was the gentleman that opened the door to the enemy and gave the enemy legal grounds. First of all, when he was uh, eating with Jesus one day, and Jesus was telling them how he had to die and be crucified and that he would raise from the dead. And the interesting thing, the disciples never clued into what he was saying. Peter interrupted him and said, Lord, I'll die for you. I will die for you. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Because, you see, Jesus knew that he must go to the cross and die. And, but Peter was so puffed up with pride that he said that he would die for him. And, but when uh, the disciples were in the, were in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, Peter did stand up for Jesus when they came to get him because he cut the servant's ear off. But then when, they were, when Jesus was going to be put on trial and this girl by the campfire began to point Peter out and say, this is Peter. Peter, he's one of the disciples. He's with Jesus. Peter lied and he denied his Lord three times. And then the cock crowed, the cock crowed, or the rooster crowed. And he remembered what Jesus had said. That, uh, you know what? He said, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And all of a sudden, those open doors and the legal grounds that Peter had given the enemy allowed depression to come on him so strong that he went out and he wept bitterly for what he had done and how he had denied his, the Lord. So his open doors had been pride and lying. Now the interesting thing is that when Jesus rose from the dead, he said, Go tell Peter. And Jesus went to Peter and restored him. And in the end, after Jesus had rose from the dead, and on the day of Pentecost, you see Peter preaching that great Pentecost message where 3,000 people were saved and brought into the kingdom. Now, the next example from the New Testament I want to talk about is about Judas Iscariot. Now Judas traveled with Jesus and he was in charge of the money. And over a period of time he had decided that he would betray the Lord and uh, that he would betray him for 30 pieces of silver. Now the interesting thing here, Judas's open doors were deceit lying and he had a greed and a love of money see money isn't evil it's the love of money and so at the last supper when he was eating with jesus the bible says that in luke 22 3 then satan entered judas iscariot one of the twelve well why did satan have the right to enter judas because he had had those doors open for a long time so then he went and he got the 30 pieces of silver and they came and he kissed Jesus on the cheek and betrayed him. But I don't think the one thing that Judas realized, I don't think he realized that his actions were going to cause the death of his master. And when he saw this, he was so overcome by the spirit of depression and suicide that he went out and hanged himself on a tree. Now if he would have just waited a little while longer, Jesus would have forgiven him too. Suicide is never the answer. It's like going from the fire at frying pan and to the fire. And when a person commits suicide, they leave a wake of destruction and hurt behind them. And it is a very selfish act. And that is why you know that it is the spirit of destruction. And you know what? Someone may even be listening to this right now. In your life, you may have felt like that there have been some events and open doors that have caused friends of yours harm. And if that's you today, I want you to know that Jesus is here today to heal you, to set you free, and to forgive you. And you can have, um, you can have great freedom and healing from... Uh, 
those open doors. So I don't want you to allow the spirit of suicide to get on you and the spirit of depression. I want you to know there's hope. God can heal you just like he did, Peter, and God can restore you. Now, let's talk about a moment about the breaking of the legal grounds. Now let's talk about what some of the keys are in breaking legal grounds. Um, there are a number of keys I want to talk about today, and I believe they're very important keys as it relates to seeing uh, a person get free from legal grounds. First key is this, a person must want to be free. So in other words, whether it's salvation, healing, or being free from legal grounds or soul wounds, the choice of the individual is very important. Romans 10.9 says, If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And there, there's that whole point there, if you will. Then in John 1.12 it says, To as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God, even to them that believed on his name. And in John 1.12, that word receive there in the Greek literally means you have to reach out and take it. You have to want it. So freedom is just like that. You have to reach it. You have to want it. You have to make a choice and make a decision to walk in a new way. Now, I remember earlier in my ministry, I was asked to go visit a gentleman that had three months to live. He had never really been in church his whole life a whole lot. I heard he was pretty cantankerous and he was a pretty feisty man to visit. And I'm not going to belabor this story, but I went to visit him in the hospital. And after I had talked to him about the Lord for about two hours, I asked him if he would like Jesus. And he said, no, I would rather go to hell. And that was truly his honest to God decision. That's what he wanted. So I came back another day and I visited with him. I shared some more, asked him if he would like the Lord. He said, no, I, I really want to go to hell. I don't want to go to heaven. And then finally, I went back to visit him one day when I felt so inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I shared again with him about the Lord. And all of a sudden, the presence of the Lord came in the room. And he looked at me and he said, I want Jesus. And he bowed his head and he invited Christ into his heart and his life. And that uh, the next day, about 2 a.m. in the morning, he had a massive coronary died and went to heaven to be with the Lord. But you see, he had to make a choice. You know, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And so you can't you can't force people into freedom. They really have to want that. Then I remember I was doing deliverance with a gentleman once who had been hearing some voices and he was cutting his arms. And I asked him a very basic question uh, before we uh, tried to deliver him. I said, Jim, I've got to ask you a question. Do you want to be free? And at that point, if he'd have said no, I wouldn't have gone any further with that. I would have stopped, and we would have stopped the ministry right there because if he didn't want to be free, if I was to help him to get free, then his state would have been seven times worse after that. So the person has to really want to be free. Secondly, the person must be willing to fight. That's another question I ask people who are bound. Do you want to be free? And secondly, are you willing to fight? Because here's the reason. Even after you're delivered, there's still going to be a fight. The enemy will still come back to try the old doors. So a person has to be ready to fight. And, and you know, I want them to be scrappy. But if they're going to fight, we're also going to help equip them with weapons. You know, and the Bible says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world or uh, like the world uses. And it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. Now, what are some of the weapons that we fight with? We fight with the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the word of God, prayer, our faith, and the testimony of what God has done for us. Those are our weapons. And you know, if you want to see the weapons of God in action, 
you really have to turn to Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, and I'm going to read this. This is how the enemy tried to get a foothold in Jesus' life, and this is really, Scripture, is an example of how Jesus, who was a full of the Holy Spirit, stayed free from the enemy and how he fought the enemy. And if this is how Jesus does it, this is how we have to do it too. And it says in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written. I want to say something right there. You know the devil is all about twisting the word of God and trying to get you to doubt who you are. But listen how Jesus answered the devil. Jesus answered, It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. And then the devil, it says, and the devil led him up to a high place and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to if you will worship me. Listen, it will be all yours. Listen to how Jesus answered him. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw, you, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered and said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And the Bible says, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him for a more opportune time. And that's just like Satan. When we get delivered and God frees us and heals us, you know, the enemy, the Bible says, will leave, leave us for a not, uh, more opportune time. So in the battle, it is crucial that we are willing to fight and we need to be uh, fully clothed in the full armor of God and make sure that we wear the armor every day. Ephesians 6, 10-13 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may stand your ground after you have done everything to stand. You know, the Roman soldier armor never had any armor on the back, so there was no retreat. And the Roman soldier shield, much of that was uh, made out of wood. So the Roman soldier had to oil their shield every day. And oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. We need to oil our shield every day because, you know, the enemy is out to play keeps. But if you are armed with the armor of God, with the shield in your hand, and your sword of your spirit, you can be victorious in the battle. The third key is that we must be willing to get healing for our soul wounds. Soul wounds are where all of most legal grounds flow out of. And again, it works like this. If you are struggling with bitterness, unforgiveness, and being offended, most soul wounds are directly tied to events in our lives that stick in our souls like a sliver of wood in the finger. If you get a sliver in your finger and you don't treat it, it will become infected and it will affect your entire body. In the same way, if you get a, an event that sticks in your soul and it gets infected and you don't, we don't deal with it, it will eventually affect your mind and the body because, you see, the soul is the seat of the intellect, will, and emotions. And then you're going to be having depression in your mind and you're going to go to a psychiatrist or a doctor and they're going to give you medicine to help your mind, but it will only be like a Band-Aid. I want to say praise God for the medicines that our doctors have because they help us in times of crisis. But when the soul begins to get healed, the mind will naturally clear up 
and so will the body. The body will start to get better too. And then the fourth key is this. A person must agree to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When the house is swept and clean, it must be filled. I remember talking to one gentleman. I said, and if you're willing to be fight and you want to be free, will you be filled with the Holy Spirit? Will you let me pray with you? And he said, yes, I will. And that was all I needed. The Bible says in Matthew 12, 43 through 45, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return the house I left. And when it arrives and finds the house unoccupied, swept and clean and put in order, then it goes and takes seven more other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be for this wicked generation. And I just want to say this. That's why it is so important for a person to be filled with the Holy Spirit after the house has been swept and cleaned and delivered. All right, now what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about breaking the legal grounds and then I'm going to end with a prayer of healing and deliverance over you. So at this time, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to pause the CD and spend some time in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to show the, of you what your legal grounds are and the open doors that are in your life and what the events are that are connected to those things. And then, uh, we're gonna, then I want you to turn the CD back on and we're going to continue. Now, when it comes to breaking legal grounds, here, here's the first thing that must be done. First of all, a person must renounce the legal grounds in the name of the blood of Jesus. And if you have held judgments and bitterness or blame toward God, you must ask the Lord to forgive you and to release and ask the, and tell the Lord that you're releasing him from all the judgments and you bl and blame that you've held against him because this is very common when you go through hurtful events. Secondly, we must repent and ask God to forgive us for hurting others out of our pain and hurt. But we, ought, we must also forgive all of those who have hurt us that are connected to the events that we've listed. Then the biggest person we must forgive, and sometimes the hardest, is ourselves. Then the third thing we want to do is we want to ask Jesus to come and heal the wounds in our souls because after he heals the wound in the soul, then the next thing, the fourth thing we can do is we can command the enemy to let go of us and to leave us. And we can ask God to remove the hooks. Then we want to ask Jesus to fill us with the Holy Spirit that every area that has been swept and clean would be totally filled by the Holy Spirit. And that the doors that have been shut would be sealed by the Holy Spirit by, and by the blood of Jesus. Then you want to spend some time just praising the Lord for all he's done for you. Have a fit in your own room praising him and just start thanking him for all he's done. And, this, and the next thing, the seventh thing you want to do is to remember the enemy will try the old doors again. So be ready to fight with the weapons that God has given you. And do not be afraid for the Lord is with you. So now. Just lift your hands up and get in a prayer position that's comfortable for you. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer of healing and deliverance right now in the name of Jesus. Just say, Lord, I renounce and I break the legal grounds of, and I just want you to name them off. In the name and the blood of Jesus, I renounce those legal grounds and say, I choose you, Lord. And I ask you to forgive me for opening the door to the enemy. And Lord, I forgive all those that have hurt me. And Lord, forgive me for hurting others out of my own pain and hurt. And Jesus, if I have misjudged you and blamed you any, any ways for things you did not do, Lord, forgive me for misjudging you. And Lord, if I have judged myself, I release myself from all judgments. Now, Lord, I invite you to come and heal my heart. 
I give you permission, great physician, to open up my heart and to pour your healing oil into my soul through the power and the name of the blood of Jesus, Lord. As my eyes are shut, I wait on your presence and I plug into you, Lord. Lord, I ask that rivers of living water would flow me and that every soul wound that I have had, that I have confessed, where I have actually forgiven people now that I'm ready to be healed, I ask you to totally heal me now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, now that I'm healed, I command the enemy to leave in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I take right now, I pray for everybody that is listening to this CD under the sound of my voice. And I bind the enemy in the name of Jesus. And I command him to release you and to let you go. Now just pray after me. Say, Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill area, every area of my life that you have swept and cleaned. I ask that I would totally be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, every door that has been shut, I ask that you would seal that door with the blood of Jesus. Now just spend some time praising the Lord. Just begin to thank him for all that he has done for you. The Bible says that he will give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That the Lord will give you the oil of, of joy for mourning. And I just pray right now that you would, that the holy laughter and the oil of joy would come upon you. And that every area and every stronghold where the enemy had a hold of you, that you would be totally free and released. For when the sun has set you free, you are free indeed. Now, I want you to remember, the enemy will try the old door again. So when you see it, expect it. Don't be afraid of it. Pick up your weapons and be ready to fight. And do not be afraid. I want to thank you again today for joining me, for listening uh, in this CD called Legal Grounds. And I just want to say there's also nothing like personal ministry. So I invite you to go to our website, www.spiritualcareconsultants.com. Visit our website or email me at gail at spiritualcareconsultants, with an S on the end, dot com. In closing, remember... God has equipped you, healed you, and made you more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus.